Greetings. Welcome to St. Dominic's Weekly. This is Father Michael. Exciting show for you today. This is the last, the seventh part of Father Isaiah and I's deep dive into C.S. Lewis's Screwtape Letters. We'll be covering the very final chapters from chapter 28 through 31. And I've titled this section, The Final Temptation, because it really gets to the end of both the story, but then also kind of the end of the purpose of temptation itself. In these final letters, C.S. Lewis reveals how Satan can weaponize our desire for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, the comfortable, easy life. We're also given a kind of glimpse into how the devil manipulates us by a fear and cowardice, and then on the other hand, on hatred. And then finally, we discover the devil's end game, the one temptation that the devil wants to get us to. It's really the deal breaker. It's the one that all the other vices are really trending toward. And so we get into some strategies how to avoid that, or how can we guard against this final threat? What is this final threat after all? So, so I hope you listen, uh, learn, open your heart and mind to the Lord speaking through you, how we can both avoid this final temptation and how we can, with God's grace, be victorious. So whether you're on the go taken it slow. Many, many blessings as you enjoy today's show. Greetings and welcome back to St. Dominic's Weekly. Father Isaiah here, Father Michael over there. We've come to the end. The final miles of this marathon of uh, screw tape letters. It's been a marathon of sorts, hasn't it? Seven parts or something like that? <laughs> so we're going to yeah. finish like every good marathon. We're going to finish strong here as, the, as we, we, we come down the last 26, mile 26 here. <laughs> and then the last, the last thing. So we'll be covering chapters 28 through 31 for those mm-hmm. who've been following along. And if you had to kind of categorize it, and once again, just to clarify, C.S. Lewis doesn't give chapter titles. He doesn't uh, give little uh, sections or anything. I've, we've just done that yeah, in that's it ours. For, 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 the, for the sake of having this little study and kind of help you to summarize uh, pieces. Hopefully it's been helpful for you. But in this, these last letters, I've summarized them as the final temptation. Very creative title, I think. <laughs> but, like the final countdown? <laughs> yeah, exactly. What's, the final chapters, what are you going to say? But, but I think we're going to find out here in these chapters, the kind of the final assault and what's the devil up to in the end. So we're talking about how the devil, very interesting, um, kind of weaponizes or tries to twist our basic desires, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, as, as we might say, as, as our kind of country cultural uh, kind of a polis. You also have uh, the devil trying to manipulate uh, cr- moments of crisis, uh, either leading to cowardice or hatred. And then we find out about the devil's end game. What is the one <laughs> yeah. vice or situation the devil wants to tempt us toward that every other sin is leading towards. We're going to get into that. It's and it's the, not exactly what the, you think it is. Yeah, it may not be what you think it is. It's it's, it, it's not often talked about, I think, in all means, how to avoid this condition. Mm-hmm. Um, we focus more on the different, the different uh, some of the other deadly sins. So, so having said that, let's jump right into chapter 28. Chapter 28, I talk about t- my title for this is weaponizing my favorite my turns out to be my favorite uh, favorite verbal uh, word here for for our, our chapter titles but weaponizing life liberty and the pursuit of happiness using blessing um, what I found interesting about this was screw tape begins by chastising the young demon wormwood by saying I don't want to hear any more about the war and he's yeah. he's he's alluded to this in the in the beginning mm-hmm. but this ch- this chapter really lays out how and this is almost astonishing how, from the devil's perspective, the devil doesn't necessarily want death. The, de- the devil doesn't necessarily, is an agent of chaos. 
in crisis, but he doesn't presume that crisis itself will lead to sin or to lead mm-hmm. to vice in this way. So he says, I don't want any more letters from you. When I say he, I mean screw tape to Wormwood. I don't want any more reports about how wonderful it is that the war is proceeding along and there's all these people dying. And then he says, he says, if your patient, if your tempter died today, we'd lose them. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I thought that interesting. We, we often mm. talk as if, I mean, current pandemic and strife and chaos and yeah. political disruption. We, we think that's, those are the seeds of the devil. And it, certainly there might be evil and a spiritual battle at war, but that's not the devil's end game. Yeah. Crisis and conflict isn't the end game because he says there's moments at which war or any kind of crisis, just name the crisis that you're in, actually forges heroism. Yeah forges mm-hmm. real virtue. Yeah. And he says, your patient is actually becoming more virtuous yeah. because he was responding to the crisis in a totally selfless yeah. way. In the way that the enemy wants you to, so, wants the patient to. Therefore, we have to uh, set up a situation or a lifetime of life cycle of actually uh, that slow deprecation of virtue and total advice. This actually harkens back to the first letters. That's actually. right. Yeah. 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 Well, were you thinking in that way? Well, I'm talking about the very fact that um, in the in the letter, um, Screwtape says it very well. You see, it is so hard for these creatures to persevere. Mm. As in thinking about his perseverance and um, having that seed within themselves to continually grow in virtue day after day, whereas um, a life of boredom would actually allow you to just sit on your couch and let life go by. It's interesting. We think, you know, crisis and death and the horrors of war, any kind of pandemic or any natural disaster, we think from the devil, evil, we need to avoid it. And certainly those things are a loss. Those are a lack. And certainly that's true, but (laughs) they are perhaps not the greatest evil. And so he actually tra- tape, trash talks Wormwood and his little, uh, you know, kind of the, your younger demons yeah. <laughs> when he says, you know, they, referring to that, the, the, those, those novice tempters, yeah. if you will. You ten, young guns. You young yeah. guns tend to regard death as the primary evil and survival as the greatest good. And he laughs them off. And, and here I think C.S. Lewis is pointing towards those people and uh, kind of that mentality that society in terms of its organization needs the greatest good to be simply survival and that death, nothing worse can happen than death. And he's saying from the devil's perspective, <laughs> the devil laughs at that mm-hmm. and says, that's totally wrong because, <laughs> because the greatest evil is not death. And the death, so in other words, the devil is not an agent of death necessarily yeah. in terms of how he wants to tempt. He says, rather your better strategy is to have him survive the war. So keep him safe and then lead him along a life of, you know, moderate comfortability, mm-hmm. blessing, middle-aged kind of bliss where he's just kind of comfortable. But, but there's a sense in which, you know, he, he, he seeks for all of his sense of purpose and significance in things of the earth. Yeah. Right? Basically exactly. get him to forget about heaven because he makes life on earth so comfortable. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so he says, that's where we're so much better at being effective as tempters and the devil wins more when there's kind of like general comfortability, kind of just, Mm -hmm. just everyone's kind of just having all their satiated in every way on a, on a, on a, on a a, a temporal level. And he says, this is exactly what we want. We want to give them the, you know, the, the, the house and the, and the, and and the, the picket fences and the the success and the the cars and that's going to be more effective to us. 
certainly he says we get we get a few souls who and this will be the next chapters you know grow hard and envious or hard and hateful and things like that mm-hmm. or cowardice but he says in, in general we want the we want the easy life because <laughs> yeah. the easy clouds or fogs the greatest right? trials can lead to nobility yes and that's the last thing that's good tape blunt exactly and at the end yeah. of the chapter he even says you know um the the idea that um even from a religious perspective and in goodness um that those that turn religion into a kind of let's bring heaven to earth rather than see the our time on earth as being a kind of a, 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 a testing ground or a school of virtue mm-hmm. so that we can enter into the next life. He says, trying to bring heaven is exactly opposite of the Our Father in a sense. Right. That's what he's mm-hmm. And he says, that's where you want to, t- screw tape says, this is where you want to tempt. You want right. to basically, he says, all of his heavenly aspirations should be to bring heaven and the blessing of heaven on earth and to the extent that that works, <laughs> you're actually in a better position for him to lose his soul in the end. Yeah, that's. I don't think well, that's yeah. how we. I don't think that's how we normally think. No. Yeah. Because <laughs> right? I mean, we're. I mean, as Kutip would say in the text, that uh, it is the demon that would teach us that death is the end all be all of exactly. existence. But yeah. no, I mean, that's the reason why Jesus came down to heaven to tell us that there is even a greater venture past that wall. Absolutely, and it's for, for the church, and we see this is why. For example, we celebrate death days, uh-huh. <laughs> right? The the death, the last day on earth, and the first moment into eternal glory of the saints is the day we honor, recognize, and champion, right? A big right. fanfare, mm-hmm. not the day they were born on earth. That, at some point, that in their eternal scheme of things is... Par- necessary but certainly not sufficient <laughs> right and right it's got to right. happen you know but yeah. it's it's not the it's not the greatest day and so and this is why um especially when i pray mass i like to uh, keep in mind those who will die that day it's it's one of my mm-hmm. usual kind of rhythm of intentions right. because mm-hmm. i think who is the person who f- on this particular day you know is who is going to experience this day as the most important day of their life like when you get up in the morning, we all are living, everyone who's, who's on planet Earth, you know, yeah. has a day and some, some days are more important than others. In the scope of things, when I get up in the morning, I want to pray for those who are going to face this day as the most important day of their life. And you know who that is? Those who will die today. Right. It's mm-hmm. the most important day of their life because it's going to be their, the ultimate decision, crisis point of view, so maybe just crossroads yeah. of eternal bliss and glory and happiness yeah. or eternal regret and and suffering and frustration mm-hmm. and you think this is the most important day of their life I, they're going to pray for them and so yeah. so death is once again the devil certainly is an agent of chaos and death certainly comes through sin and is death is evil in every way but God has transformed that we've been in, in Christ Jesus so mm-hmm. that it's it becomes the means by which he uses to the greatest glory and therefore yeah it's the most important. It's, it's, it's turned into the greatest loss into the most important moment. Right. Put it that way of yeah. our life. And C.S. Lewis does a great job of saying, mm-hmm. of kind of turning it on its head and have the devil say, keep them safe. Yeah. <laughs> Do not allow this person to die. And so I, I think is if someone survives, you know, something and mm-hmm. people are like, oh, God saved him. And <laughs> I, I don't say this. <laughs> like, it's not the necessary, the passion and who knows, but you can think, well, maybe God saved him or maybe not. You know, if they With were this perspective, yeah. If they were ready to go, if they were in grace, and you know, act, you know, and and you know, it was their time to die. You know, that why fight that? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> in the end of the day, 
it's it's not how long we live; it's the condition of our soul when we die that makes yeah. all the difference. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah. So when the it's day, how we die. Exactly. Yeah. It's how we die. Not how long we live, but how we die. Right. Mm-hmm. So some of us need a lot. I think the Lord in His, <laughs> we his patience <laughs> allows us a little more roadway <laughs> to be Fair. able to figure that out and and learn those those virtues. But especially when young people die, it's it's sad. No, there's a loss. There's no doubt, and there's no there's no asking why. We said that last right. time in that mm-hmm. last chapter about uh, in the last session that if we go expecting in our prayer life to yield the why, we don't know. We don't try to explain no. it. And certainly the loss of someone in a young age is, is uh, truly um, difficult and devastating. Yeah. And, and, and in every way, uh, we should allow ourselves to mourn and to suffer that loss at the same time, though. If that moment was their moment into eternal glory, <laughs> at the That's same time, thing to rejoice in. Yeah. We should, yeah, we should, we should mourn for our loss and their mm-hmm. loss of what might have been. At the same time, if it is God's will that you know they come into eternal glory for ever, I don't think they're going to complain that they missed out on a forty, fifty, yeah, even give them, give them, you know, hundred, hundred, yeah, hundred yeah. years old if they if they're in eternal life yeah. because of the situation. So, right. so. In some ways, it's just like, it's not how long you live in it. And so that chapter really kind of puts that on there, especially in a time and age where, you know, all this technology and I I see all this transhumanism and all these, you know, uh, big Silicon Valley people are like looking for the fountain of youth. We need to extend life as long as possible. And I'm like, that's not bad. But as a goal, it doesn't ensure virtue. Simply living longer doesn't mean you're going to be a better person, right? Yeah, right? or or set you up from a faith perspective to eternal life. So, so anyway, that's that was that was chapter twenty-eight, which leads to chapter twenty-nine, which is the devil trying to take advantage of. So this is if the devil is going to make hay out of war, that is conflict yeah. or pandemic or whatever mm-hmm. thing that he says, be careful, don't trampy on that too much. We're we're actually on the mode of survival if it suits our purpose <laughs> to further yeah. tempt, but. Given that there is a war, given there is conflict, there's two extremes of how people respond to conflict and difficult situations that we should kind of pursue and see which tack we'll take. Right. And I mean, this is where that um, in terms of the plot line, the, the bombs are getting closer, the war is more apparent. It's kind of funny because here's screw, screw tape in the past few letters saying, let's not talk about the war, but the war is literally at the patient's doorstep. So we have to talk about the war. (laughs) So that's just kind of hilarious and ironic in that way. But but what we're talking about here is how does the great commandment apply, you know, especially when your enemy is at your door? So Mm -hmm. we're talking about the fear of hatred, the fear of war. That's right. Cowardice and all that such. And um, and Screwtape then brings up the question is like, how do you how do you manipulate how the patient who is a devoted Christian mm-hmm. with a good girlfriend and a girlfriend that's teaching him virtue and Christianity and the, the depths of the mysteries. How is this patient who's a devoted Christian going to interact with the Germans? Right. And yeah. there, I mean, he's trying to say like, um, how does he say it? That, that I myself, I being the patient, I need to forgive my own enemies, but I can still hate someone else's. Mm, yeah, that's what we want us to tempt him to to yeah. kind of be in that situation. Yeah, it's it's interesting because the devil's that the, the Scrutave usually is very confident about how to tempt, and here in the midst of conflict, he's like, "Well, here are a couple options." <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Not quite as sure what's going to work. And as you say, there's a great irony that what the devil's tried to avoid this great conflict in a sense is pushing the issue uh, is actually he he recognizes that he's kind of on unsteady ground, and we mm-hmm. see the ultimate final collapse of temptation of in this way. But he says, do we tempt him to be cowardly 
or so to shrink back from responsibility, or do we tempt him to hate the opposition, to hate the Germans, to hate the other side? Uh, and he comes out, I think, more on the side of, of trying to employ hatred as a kind of um, strategy for temptation, because he says, and this is interesting kind of psychology here, where he says that when we're cowardly or we fail in our responsibility, it's hard to, in some ways, justify that into a virtue. He says almost every other virtue, or and every other vice, every yeah. other sin, <laughs> we can kind <laughs> of we can we can kind of twist it into into a, a kind of virtue, or at least we're, we're saying this is this. There's some kind of nobility here. I, I often think you could do the um, a, par- a kind of a uh, seven deadly sins mm-hmm. and show how our culture has something that kind of like celebrates them, kind of low key in a way, like gluttony. Right. It's like oh well, we have hot dog eating contest where mm-hmm. people eat yeah. hundreds right. of hot dogs. I guess it's fun. It's some tradition, or it's kind of the American way. But that's basically why would you do that? Vice <laughs> being broadcast on yeah. the sports channel to yeah. great acclaim, right? And this guy's yeah. a, a, he's a star, right? Are you, or I mean, lust, obviously. You know, all all right. the all the ways in which sexuality is is championed as being full expression and this and mm-hmm. that and the other thing nonsense like that um you know pride once again just that the, the pride can be you know all of this i'm the best i'm the greatest you yeah. know when our athletes Olympic say medals all these things yeah. championships yeah. yeah when someone says i am the greatest famous famous Muhammad okay Hollywood, let's I, test that we yeah. we champion that as being a good thing right? right we don't we don't see humility necessarily serving us well in those who we put up on pedestals so anyway the point is that cowardice there's no way to virtuize and i put that yeah. in quotes the vice of cowardice and so he said, the devil says be very very careful sticky there sticky business sticky business uh, when it comes to temptation because the moment you realize you're not living up to your responsibility you're gonna have to turn around yeah. you're gonna have to have literally a conversion yeah. of heart now maybe that doesn't lead you to virtue so he has some strategies to knock us down when we're cowardly or that where we fail to face responsibility but he says the easier way and this is what i want to get your your thoughts on is mm-hmm. hatred where right. he says objectify the other in a way that doesn't make him capable of forgiveness yeah and the very fact that that's not in um you know i mean we're saying that even uh virtue needs virtue as well as vice in their own ways have to get um need to get tested mm-hmm. one of my favorite lines of the entire letter was pilot was merciful until it became risky Yes, you know, you exactly. have to. I mean, pilot. You can say all you uh, want about all you want to say about pilot's bravery and all that such, but the moment that that trial happened yeah. on that Friday morning, yeah, you know how merciful, how brave, how all that stuff was he? Yeah. Not really. Exactly, and and this is where um, he goes into a little bit of like he says the enemy, talking about God, God. Uh, allows <laughs> for crisis moments. Because there is no virtue, really, without a sense of it being tested. Yeah. Right? And, and, and just going back to the hatred for a moment, there, there's a way in which if we see people who are coming against us as not being capable themselves of forgiveness mm-hmm. or a sense of God's love or being made in the image of likeness of God, then we've cut ourselves off from God's grace itself. Right? Right in in cutting ourselves off from someone else, we cut ourselves off from God, 
right? So I think right. it, I thought that was a really, and he says, and that's, that's pretty easy. He says, that's not, that's, that's pretty easy to do in the midst of war to objectify, yeah. which that seems right to me. I mean, if someone's bombing our city, I'm not going to have, <laughs> I'm not going to be their best friend either. No. Yeah. yeah. They're not going to have forgiving thoughts if, if they're killing people I love. And there's, there's that sense of that. So, the, so that seems like the road, but, but what you say is where he goes in terms of the, the cowardice angle and says that, that God allows this testing and we need to be careful because that can turn into virtue. Yeah. But like Pilate, if the if you're if they're not up to the moment and yeah. Pilate was cowardly, then look how Pilate responds. Pilate basically in his cowardice, at least from the gospel perspective, fades away. Right. And so he says this can lead to either a, a sense of uh, kind of shame or yeah. guilt and we want and so we want them to stay in that place. I mean, going back to an earlier point, I mean yeah. it's one I mean, that's what makes Coward is such a sticky vice to allow a patient to go down because mm-hmm. when a person discovers how much of a coward that he or she is, mm-hmm. they're going to be shamed into what? To be brave. Yeah, or at least to take the steps to yeah. say, I need something more than myself. Yeah. yeah. I need someone to help. I need some, some kind of intervention. I need, yeah. I need to reach out somehow to someone. Yeah. God's grace. Someone, you know, a mm-hmm. companion, a confidant, a confessor, right. someone to say, hey, I know I'm going down the wrong way. Help. It's like yeah. Peter. <laughs> Peter walks on the water. Yeah. And when he begins to sink, <laughs> he says, you know, Lord, save me. He reaches out his hand. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's all the Lord's looking for. <laughs> if, yeah. he, if he had, in that moment of sinking, thought, oh, I know. I can yeah. do this on my own. <laughs> I can do this on my own. But then when he realizes he can't yeah. do it yeah. on his own, and he gets scared when the wave is coming. Mm-hmm. If he thought... Oh well, what did I expect? I'm, yeah. I, I mean, I mean, the people aren't supposed to walk on water. It was, you know, hubris to think I could do it. You know, there's no way in which I really deserve this anyway. Uh, how could I? How could I? God possibly? How could? How could Jesus want me for a follower now with this much hubris and right. just allow Himself to sink in the waves? He actually makes the one act that 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 we all need to make in simply reaching out mm-hmm. and saying, "Lord, save me!" <laughs> right? Yeah. And so, the point of the walking on the water wasn't necessarily about his hubris to get out of the boat or his following and God can do this through you. It's that moment of reaching out (laughs) in the midst of sinking that is all important. Mm -hmm. And so the devil says, we want them to keep from sinking (laughs) in the first place. And if they do sink, you got to bombard them, not with, you know, physical bombs (laughs) that are strafing, strafing the landscape, but with a kind of bombs of guilt and shame and regret and then ultimately despair, which he comes back to late Mm -hmm. as as kind of the the final, the final goal of the devil in in that way. Um, And so he talks about um, getting, getting his imagination worked up. And this is where the fear comes in. And he's, he's hinted at this before he says, and this is, I think we talked about this in one of the early episodes about how the devil loves the hypothetical. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what if, and then our, our thoughts go towards the worst possible scenario, right? Yeah. About, oh, this is all going to fail me. And it, just play on that. So he says, N- it's not the war, but it's fear of the war. It's right. not death, but it's fear of death. And if you can use that from the devil's perspective in order to tempt the person just living in that fear and that angstiness and that sense of frustration or carewornness, uh, that's where you want to be. You want to live yeah. in that space. That's the space you want to get into his head on. So, yeah. which for us, I know it's easy for us to say, it's easy for C.S. Lewis to say, but harder to do that when we know we're in that angsty, fearful, you know, I'm out of control kind of space to mm-hmm. simply say, Lord, save me to reach up our hands and say, Lord, right. Lord, save me. That That's what we need to do to get yeah. out of that space. The, 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 the way to overcome this very, 
I think almost like full court pressed kind of yeah. uh, kind of situation where you have crises and things like that is to simply acknowledge that we can't live in that sense of fear. Yeah, yeah we have the faith over fear, right, in, the, in right. that way. Um, which leads to uh, the second to last chapter, the penultimate, penultimate chapter. <laughs> penultimate. Love that word, penultimate. It sounds like a Jeopardy word or, or a GRE word. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so why don't you why don't you give us the give us the penultimate uh, chapter here? Lead well, us off. Well, we're talking about fatigue in the face of real evil. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Or, or weaponizing fatigue. In yeah, this weaponizing way. fatigue. I mean, just a. Uh, I mean, he says right to produce the best results from a patient's fatigue. Therefore, you must feed him with false hopes. That's right. So nesting his life with. Um, the thoughts of the next warm meal, the next uh, um, going to bed in the future, all those other things. I'm just relying on the person's fatigue in the very fact that, again, you know, in the plot that the war is in front of them, you know, so just um, allowing him to not go towards bravery, but rather to just go to the next moment so he can get the next one, two hours of sleep or whatever. Yeah, and I thought it was interesting and very, once again, like he's want to do very... Mm, cl- subtle and incisive look on fatigue. He says, "Real fatigue when people really get tired. Like right. uh, it's you know can, it can be a two edged sword. <laughs> either way, it can go either way. Mm-hmm. Either we either we find the rest we need or entrust ourselves to our, to, to the Lord, um, or it, it can it can lead to kind of just giving up." But he says, "What's better than simple fatigue is to let the person think that oh I couldn't possibly do anything. I'm so fatigued. Whether fatigued yeah. or not." make them think that they're fatigued, therefore they can't do anything. Right. So once again, he's playing with that, that the minor perception, that mm-hmm. the, the imagination, the devil is, devil is in the imagination or tries to live there. He can't, yeah. devil can't force our will. That's a, I think an interesting point. He doesn't exactly make that, but this uh, inferred certainly from, from how Screwtape is attacking these, this final push for the patient because he's coming to the end of, a life, of his life. He's saying, try to just break into that world of imagination, yeah. break into that world of feelings, yeah. break into everything. Emotion. Like that. I emotions, mean, it's, it's yeah. a gaslighting and manipulation That's of right. somebody's emotions. I That's mean, right. this is what we talk about where in the letter, um, we're talking about sentimental, sentimentality versus the real. That's right. Yeah. That, that, that's a great segue because it's, it's that regardless of the situation, the reality of the situation, make him think emotionally <laughs> that he's in a worse case than he really is right. uh, to kind of like uh, project a kind of realness to everything, which is ugly from our from right. perspective and to say everything else, which is, which might be good uh, is actually just kind of sentimentality or ethereal. Mm-hmm. I, I love that line towards the end. He says, he says the horrors of war are, can be once again used to our advantage. If we say things like war, death, poverty, these are real because of the strong emotional reaction we have to them. And once again, it's a natural reaction. And it's, I think, I think there'll be something inhuman if we didn't feel emotional aversion when we see, you know, loss of life in a, in a, in a, in a shocking way and things right. like that. I mean, that, that's, that was not wrong about that, right? Yeah. That's, that does. But the devil is trying to confuse us or the temptation mm-hmm. is to confuse the emotional reality of that loss, that kind of visceral, like, sense of fear as being the full representation of what's real. Yeah. As opposed to when there's peace as peace and harmony are often ethereal, yeah. subjective. Oh, they're just kind of in your mind, right? Yeah. Whereas death and war, these are real. And therefore yeah. <laughs> thinking that the um, this all this evil is the real and, and yeah. all this goodness is ethereal, then what grows in your heart and this goes back to that sense of hatred. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you can you can you can plant seeds of hatred when 
you can make evil seem more real than goodness. And right. when that evil then needs a kind of, you know, some kind of response and you get into that kind of justified, yeah. which is really not justified, hatred to objectify the other. Now you're back into that cycle of hatred, which, right. which is what the devil's going for. Yeah, it's trying to go to that place where the beauty of creation is nothing compared to seeing all this um, blown up buildings or seeing entrails or seeing, you know, on on city blocks that you know and love, but yeah. you see ugliness. And yeah. so the real is, what's truly real is ugliness, but really, but the real, the the true real of the enemy of God is rather beauty of creation. Exactly, yeah, that's why beauty is one of the one of the greatest tools for evangelization, because it yeah. draws us up up to the Lord and to the, the source of all creation and all beauty. It makes me think, he doesn't mention this here, but uh, C.S. Lewis in other points talks about aesthetics. Oh, right. And that idea that goodness is hard to connect with at an imaginative level sometimes, even though he says hmm. it's, goodness is very much more creative than evil is kind of boring, banal. But when we talk about the imagination, evil can seem so like cool or kind of sexy yeah. or kind of like inviting right. or attractive. There's all kind of, it has this illusion. And he, he points this out when Tolkien, Lord of the Rings, I'm thinking mm-hmm. of here, he comments to J.R.R., one of his inkling buddies, that he thinks that his, <laughs> now this might be their own little thing, but <laughs> but he makes a darker point about it, a deeper point about it, that he thinks that his characters, the, the baddies in the Lord of the Rings, so the orcs, the orcs and, and the, the Urukai uh, and yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah all the, all the, all the, all the humble dingles, the, they, uh, they're drawn more kind of vividly and starkly. And even in the movies, if, you, if you've seen the movies, it's kind of like the, the, those, I mean, they're not, they're not beautiful, but they're, I mean, they're ugly and dark and gross, but they're more, they kind of like, they, I don't know, you can you, you kind of, they're, they're more concrete in a way, right? right? And mm-hmm. they're like, ooh, that's gross. And that's good. Yeah. And then R- Rivendale or wherever that, you know, where they go, where it's all light, mm-hmm. it, it's kind of light and ethereal and kind of like, right. almost like you're not even really on earth. You're kind of, you mm-hmm. know, in a whole different realm. And, and so he says, it's really hard to, evil, evil has since, and he attributes this to kind of fallen human nature that even though we recognize ugly as ugly, we end up kind of glorifying ugliness. Right. And we're drawn to the darkness in some ways. Mm-hmm. And kind of like film noir and dark yeah. and gritty. And somehow there's, somehow there's, because, you know, good stories usually involve conflict and things like that. And the darker you can make them somehow, somehow there's a, there's a, a baseness of that that is attractive to us. And he says how hard it is to make um, goodness concrete. Right. How good it is to make virtue Look something more than sentiment, sentimental mm-hmm. or ethereal or lighter. It doesn't have the the density or the concreteness of of reality. And it's right. just an interesting aesthetical uh, kind of analysis that he does. And any any kind of you know touches on it mm-hmm. towards the towards the end of this uh, this letter. And I thought that was very interesting because it just even even in things that I know I'm um, you know that that in terms of reading or watching or kind of. Uh, recreational engage and it's kind of like okay is this is is the goodness that i, I want to be how well is that drawn and how hard <laughs> it is to draw goodness right. in that way yeah. right it's it's easier to be drawn into the anti-hero a little bit right yeah. yeah i mean not too long ago there was a series on on a streaming service where mm-hmm. where it was a very popular series but it was clearly about an anti-hero doing very bad things yeah and but it was incredibly popular. It was on the ten, top ten list for this streaming service wow. for a number of months. Yeah. So it's just, and again, it goes to that of. Do I have for, to guess what it is? If you 
one. <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to be. I'm, I'm, I'm trying, trying to, to dissuade from people to watch it <laughs> oh, okay. because well, we it is it about antihero. <laughs> okay, won't, we won't promote it, but but yeah, but no. I mean, I, that sounds like eight out of the top ten. I'm sure. Right. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's some kind of thing that's glorifying that in that way. And so, but but it's hard. To, I just I I, I he C.S. Lewis is pointing out the challenge of of that and saying that that the the. The overall, I mean, he's not making points about books or something, but he's just yeah. basically saying in general, we have to, there can be a temptation present in thinking that what's real, the yeah. real world, when he says, oh, this is real world, is, mm, how to put it, is somehow ugly, distorted, yeah. twisted, dark, co- dark but, and that's, yeah. my, that's cool, right? Yeah. I, I, well, someone asked me once, we were, we were having a discussion about things, they said, you know, like the whole like, um, James Dean, like Rebel Without a Cause. Right. He's like, yeah. that That became a kind of, that was like, you know, in culture, that was cool. So it's kind of like this rebel attitude is just kind of like cool, right? And he, yeah. says, he, he says, do you think coolness would exist if there wasn't evil or is, or is coolness a kind of twisted kind of, <laughs> a kind of cultural phenomena that, that's born of kind of our fallen humanness? Yeah. If we were in heaven, will there be coolness? I don't know. I just yeah. thought it was an interesting question. <laughs> it'll be definitely different. It'll be, yeah. it'll be related. If there's any coolness, it's going to have. Well, coolness <laughs> implies that there's an in crowd and out crowd. But yeah. in heaven, everybody's in the in guess, crowd. I guess so that's true. there's no such thing as cool. <laughs> <laughs> cool people. <laughs> or I guess your coolness will be. It might be. We just. I think it's more about perspective, how, how we see things. I mean, coolness about oh, what we regard as being, you know, somehow yeah. attractive in that way. Yeah. And I think the attractiveness will be things like, like for instance, this is totally off topic, but now you've got me thinking. The uh, the wounds of Christ. Because this never happens. Yeah, no, it never happens. Um, the wounds of Christ. Like everyone in heaven will have a wound or some kind right. of mark of love through which we've suffered on earth. Uh, and so with Christ, it's always, it's, it's the first the five wounds because he mm-hmm. shows in the, in the gospels. We know this. Yeah. He shows the wounds. And guess what? That's a resurrected body. So for, that's just, that wasn't just for that moment of St. Thomas, you know, come touch my side. For all eternity, that's Christ the glorified Christ will be the the, the crucified Christ, glorified, yeah. Yeah. right? So those wounds are, we're going to see Christ in the wounds, and that's how we're frankly going to recognize him mm-hmm. through those wounds if they've been not just marks of suffering and death, but marks of glory and transformation. And so we're, we're all going to have, we all have wounds, and the question is how will they be transformed? And I think, I think coolness might have to do with the state of our glorified wounds. What do you think that for a theory? I just like the phrase. <laughs> no, so, anyway, so we, let's, get, let's, let's, let's soldier on. We come to the last chapter, chapter 31. Do we have Victor, to? Yeah. I mean, just like, oh, we've been working about this so long. Wow. I'm I know. Excited. This is it. This is it. The big, the big finish. We're finished strong. We're in 26 yeah. mile. Talk to me about the very title of this. So he, he does have, uh, he doesn't have titles, but he does have screw tape address. And this is yeah. a, this is this kind of how he how he begins the chapter is uh, very revelatory. What does he say? Usually he my, says, well, yeah. usually he my says, dear Wormwood." Yeah, he yeah. says, "My dear Wormwood." Here yeah. he says, "My dear, my very dear Wormwood, my poppet, my pixney." Yeah. And then, what's a pixney? It's <laughs> a good question. <laughs> is it a particular kind of pig? I guess so. <laughs> I don't know. Well, considering what he talks about in the letter, it means probably a piece of food. Yeah, exactly. Here, here's where. Uh, the 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 worm has turned a bit yeah <laughs> and we see evil at the, the end worm has sort of turned into a fish yeah, yeah so so here we see the the last gasp of the devil um was towards dun, 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 despair yes right so the, the final at the end of the day 
and certainly this is just this is this is foundational if you've heard me say it before uh, you, you know you, i'll say it again at the end of the day the devil wants us to give up yeah. so pride lust envy greed vanity all those deadly sins ultimately they can't survive like we at some point in our life and even if that's the last moment of our death we can cling to those things but in the moment of our facing judgment and God's question, how, do I, how, how did you love me or how have you loved me, um, we're, we're, that's going to be a total, the illusion will be pulled back. The curtain will be right. pulled back. And at the end of the day, the devil wants us to despair. So yeah. we're, all, we're all sinking like Peter in some way or another. Yeah. The question is, do we throw out our hand and say, Lord, save yeah. me? Or do we grasp it tight in or try to like dog paddle or, or float yeah. uh, despite, our, despite our, the gravity of our sins? And so, mm-hmm. so the, there's a final push there. Um, and yet uh, he fails because uh, the, uh, spoiler alert, I don't know if you've been this long, you've, <laughs> we're far beyond spoilers at this point, but the patient dies. Right. And the bombing happens. He dies in the bombing, but he dies in a heroic way, trying to yeah. um, uh, be faithful to his responsibility. Not necessarily in a glorious heroic way. He doesn't, no. Lewis doesn't. He uh, doesn't get into detail. He doesn't get into like detail how he dies, if he's saving somewhere, doing it, but just kind of he's doing, his, he's doing what he's called to do, whatever the little township in that in the countryside had called him to do. He was just faithfully doing his duty, and then the end comes. Yeah. And I think for me, the ch- this chapter, uh, two things. Uh, the, the, the one is he paints a very, and this is where we're talking about the last chapter, the imagination of, of, of where the devil wants to live to tempt us. He gives the kind of contrary, the devil is upset, and he pulls out the imagination of what the end of our life will look like, right. that final moment of death. Mm-hmm. And of course, Screwtape is very upset about it, but we, if we transpose it, we can see how beautiful that idea might be. He, see, he likens it to um, a, extracting a tooth. Right, and he says, you know, the dentist gets in there and he grinds and he twists and, he, and there's pain and there's there, there's angst and there's, you know, he's not quite sure am I ever going to be free of this? This moment seems to last forever because moments of pain or <laughs> last forever. He called yeah. on the person, and then he says, in that moment when there's the release of the tooth, and there's a total kind of washing over the person of relief. Yes, he says that's the moment. He kind of comes to this kind of uh, this uh, this kind of like fine point and then release. And then there's the moment in which the patient sees the afterlife. He yeah. sees those those patrons, those saints who have come, who've come to to gather him home, and uh, and there's a kind of awareness there. Yeah. Well, what do you think about the awareness? I thought it was absolutely beautiful. That yeah. one line of um, "It was you after all," or yes. "It was you all along." Yes. No. He has mm-hmm. this. He has this idea that when we see. People, when we come, when we go to that road and then yeah. we come through death to the judgment and then, then that, that, that step of kind of availing ourselves for those for whom, uh, yeah, you know, we are uh, holding on to say, Lord, save me. Those who accept the Lord's salvation and take that in and allow ourselves to be led by the Lord, we're going to encounter people and we're going to not say, who are you? Yeah. But say, oh, it was you all, all along. along. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. it's like, God willing, I'll see St. Michael and I won't not know him, but I'll be like, oh, that's you. You were there yeah. at this moment or that moment. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you'll see where those moments where you think you were alone or on your own. And it's like you had an army of angels and, and right. prayers from people, either yeah. either your patrons or those on earth who have made God's blessing possible for you yeah. in this life. And so it'll be a, it'll be like coming out of a, of a, of a kind of a dark room mm-hmm. into the light and you kind of blink, 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 and you're kind of orienting yourself. And all of a sudden you're like, 
wow. Yeah. Right. Well, it's like going to that surprise party and the yeah. lights go lights go on and yes. then you see all these people whom you love and you didn't know you loved, but you actually do. And um, yeah. all these people from your past and present that are dear to you. You yeah. know, and but what I love about that nuance too is that there's kind of this kind of connaturality of knowing the communion of saints and recognizing Mary and Jesus in in that life that you have now and just kind of making that connection. It's like in my past it was all these people working towards my salvation mm-hmm. and towards my holiness yeah. this entire time. And it's not just you and God. He gets the he gets the encounter with God at the end, but it's it's all the people that have been part of our lives, mm-hmm. either have gone before us or are still kind of behind us. And he 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 calls this moment a kind of a, 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 a meeting of woke memories. Yeah, I just thought that was really yeah. I, incredible phrase. Talking about kind of capturing the imagination and, and beautiful writing. So the, that 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 first moment of of, of coming into to glory is a, is a kind of moment of meeting of greeting others yeah. community. <laughs> yeah. And it's a kind of kind of a awakened memory. So it's like getting up in the morning and suddenly all that you know, kind of the flood of, of kind of that, that that state right between your kind of like getting up and then like fully awake. Mm-hmm. There's that kind of like very creative. Even even you know, uh, folks in science talk about it. There's a, a real elasticity of our mm-hmm. mind in that 30 minutes of waking up, which is why they say don't don't go for your phone first thing or, or get, get too concrete early in yeah. the morning. It's a good time for a like, little prayer or a little sense of. Um, meditation or contemplation because mm-hmm. you're just kind of you're just kind of getting up you're kind of but your mind itself is uh, kind of um putting things together and finding this kind of like activation mode that's yeah. very creative and and supple and and potent in that way and i wonder if heaven that moment is heaven aren't kind of like that those first moments yeah. kind of like when you wake up that first stage of heaven is going to be like the the full body soul and spirit uh, kind of analogous of when we wake up mm-hmm. in our brains. Right? Yeah. It's a, he really paints this beautiful picture. If you just read those those last paragraphs, they, they're really a really good kind of thought exercise of like, oh, what what will my death like? What will it feel like? Wait, feel like, but just emotionally, mm-hmm. you know, what what is that? And he does a good job of of talking about that sense of recognition and kind of waking up in that way. So I thought that was good. And we couldn't can't help but talk about how the the pain that Wormwood was described as feeling as well of him getting basically sloughed off like a wet blanket or something. Yeah. You know, it's like all these temptations and all these trials that we were put through through our life is as nothing compared to the beauty that awaits us. Yeah, exactly. And this at least to that other point, exactly in terms of a segue to the unmasking of evil here yeah. and the, and the, the, the impotence of temptation right. and the evil one, because in the end it consumes itself. You've got, you've got, uh, both Wormwood and Screwtape saying, uh, saying, on the one hand, they wouldn't want to come into the enemy's presence. They're too, they're too proud. They're so too full mm-hmm. of themselves and selfish. But they're jealous of this patient, as I say, this animal, yeah. right? They're this kind of lower life form that rejoices in that. So they're, they're both too proud to join, uh, but they're jealous not to be able to. Right. And all that does is lead to consume themselves, mm-hmm. right? And so it's a sense of like they're miserable and they just want company and not being able to be in company, which they recognize is delightful for the person going into yeah. it. Then they begin to kind of literally eat themselves. Right. Right. So yeah. that final line, do you remember that final line? How, how, 
how he signs off. Your He's increasingly like, ravenous uncle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just kind of yeah. like delicious. <laughs> yeah. And then here is uh, Screwtip basically admitting that he's a cannibal. I, I hope that you, I receive a little bite of you, if not your that, entire thing. That's right. Yeah. He says, he, he goes, don't think that, don't think this was this kind of, don't mistake this relationship that I've been mentoring you. Yeah. At the end of the day, if you fail, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm eating you up. <laughs> yeah. And I, once again, once a kind of uh, obviously imaginative and so forth, but it, it really kind of, that phrase, evil consumes itself. Mm-hmm. Right, it really kind of turns in on itself. Is uh, is in, in the story kind of brought at the very last to its kind of final punctuation? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of the exclamation point. Right. Of of, of put a fine point on it. So so there we go. That final that f- that yeah. f- that final temptation is towards despair. It's the Peter. If he didn't reach his hand up, Lord save me. Right. Consumed by guilt, frustration, anxiety, a sense of false humility. Uh, or cowardice, and here we see, uh, at least in the story, uh, the patient is faithful to his responsibilities. Yeah. He he dies, and in that moment of death, is able to see reality, right? <laughs> Capital R reality, right. mm-hmm. and that those woke memories that are the first stage of heaven. And even even just as a little postlude here to note, uh, the next one of the next books that C.S. Lewis writes is called The Great Divorce, mm-hmm. which is a great book. Incredible, yeah. <laughs> Are we setting up another study? I don't know. We'll see. We'll have to talk about that. We have to talk about that. (laughs) Let's talk about that. Put in your comments below. (laughs) Yeah. Um, It's a journey from hell to basically purgatory. Mm -hmm. And then then ultimately, if the bus will keep going, but but mostly returns. um, And here he even mentions that for some who encounter God, it will be painful, but they will embrace the pain fully. Yeah. Right, they'll know. So it's it's like once again, go back to the tooth extraction. So you take out a tooth, and sometimes there's a, a little decay, or there's nerve damage, or mm-hmm. there's there's more that needs to be done simply than extracting uh, the offending tooth. The, there needs to be some kind of medicinal healing and, right. and and repair that goes on there. But he says, just like the patient who has you know the uh, some kind of tooth decay, they embrace that as like I want full dental health. Yeah. <laughs> so to that the the patient were he to need more sense of letting go and of a cherry to fill his heart and let go of any darkness or, or, or sin that was in his life, he'll embrace what he needs to do right. in order to come into the fullness of light. He won't right. be repelled by that. I thought that was very interesting. Yeah, absolutely incredible. Yeah, yeah. so, so that, that, that's his little purgatorial nod there yeah. at, at, at the very end. So I hope you've certainly enjoyed uh, our deep dive. It was seven. It turned out to be seven. We, I know at Ooh. some point it was seven days of the week. So we've come we've come fat last to the Sabbath to Saturday, the, yeah. sa- the Sabbath rest here, and it's a, a good point uh, to 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 rest in this yeah. in this thing. I hope you learned over the course of these weeks uh, a little food for thought, if you will, in terms of how the devil tries to tempt us, how he has to tries to work in our lives by both subverting the good and hiding the evil right yeah. so that it's kind of his general strategy do you have any other big takeaways from the from the, from the book yourself just about how subtle yeah. evil can be i mean it's so easy and so sexy to talk about you know the devil in the black suit or the red wings or the horns and all that such but the the true genius of of evil if you want to call it that is yeah. how subtle yeah um, evil can work in our lives and how, especially pride, especially despair, how those can work and massage into our, to, um, in a way, like possibly corrupt us if we allow it to. Yeah. Thinking of the Paul Simon line in Rhythm of the Saints, totally out of, uh, this is out of left field. 
says if it I, is. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I, Paul Simon's got good lyrics. If I have a weakness, don't let them blind me now. Wow. So there's a, there's there's yeah. a, a way in which the devil wants to keep us blind to our weaknesses because for whatever reason we don't want to fail. I mean, who wants to make sure we see weaknesses? But that's where temptation and, and our own sense of failure lives. Not in that we're weak or we fail, but that we're blind to it, or mm. we, we we don't admit it, or we don't acknowledge it, or we're not yeah. working towards it. And he was like, "Yeah, you're doing it's." Evil is the exaggeration of encouragement where right. everything you do is good simply because you you did it. <laughs> or on the other hand, you're a terrible failure and so wallow in that. And so right. there's kind of the two sides of temptation, both, as you mentioned, the hidden side, how subtle it can be. And on the other side, it's a kind of exaggeration to aggrandizement of like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm the best. No one could, mm-hmm. could possibly um, be better than me in that way. So I just say, and, and, and even using good, I think one of the takeaways I, 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 that really resonated with me over this past month or so that we've done this is how even the good we do can be the source of temptation for right. something. And it's just like, oh boy, it, it, in some ways it is, it does come point out, I mean, that's what the devil says, that, that humans find it hard to persevere. Like mm-hmm. I can be loving in this moment, if I need to be, I can give myself there. But then it's like, yeah, you got to keep doing it and doing it and doing it. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> can I, can I just have a little time in time for my own? <laughs> and that's why we so have to talk in the confession. <laughs> <laughs> can I just think about myself for once? <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's hard. It's, it's, it's hard to always be. We want our way, even though we say thy will be done you know it's the gravity is towards my will be done yeah right exactly. and so, and so <laughs> to the extent that the devil can use the moments where we say thy will be done and we mean it and we do it and even the devil can use those moments yeah and you're like oh man man <laughs> he can turn it in my altruism into being more prideful mm-hmm. or or turn it into kind of ungating credit or my kind of thing. yeah yeah just just all about me so it turned into some moment of selfishness so that, that to me that was one of the biggest takeaways that there's the hidden side as you mentioned uh, but then even goodness itself can be twisted. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's something in terms Ooh. of our own spiritual daily examination. I, I not only think, okay, where did I miss the mark? Where did I do well? But then where did I do well and not say thank you for that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> because I know yeah. it's not and for I me. And I thought it was all about me. Yeah. Or yeah. even if I even if I know that it's not all for me, I, at least I, that's the way I act or the way yeah. I comport myself or allow myself right. to act towards others. Right? Because it's all about, let's see, I think it's all about action. The devil can live in the imagination and the emotions and the feelings. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, we have control over. Yeah, our, it's our, our will our that will. we have control over as well. Absolutely, absolutely. So, so thank you for seven parts. Yeah, yeah the seven parts. I end. don't know what to do from here. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. But thanks for joining us. We'll, we'll, uh, have to, we'll, we'll have to take a deep breath and, and see what we want to do either. So yeah, and if you yeah. if you have any any suggestions from our faithful uh, viewing or listening audience, uh, another this book study was of of, of interest. So there's lots more to do that, or yeah. maybe we'll do uh, just a little bit of uh, we can step back and maybe do kind of our usual kind of thing about commenting on uh, the uh, the saints or doing our uh, we bring back trivia. Our, our That'd trivia. be fun. Yeah, <laughs> the, ask a priest. Whatever. Today. Ask yeah. a priest. Yeah, whatever it is. Uh, drop your suggestions uh, in, in the notes for sure. And may all that we do truly radiate the joy of the gospel here in the heart of the city. Amen? Amen.